Welcome to this conversation brought to you by White House Custom Color. I'm Jed Toffer. Today I'm here with Jared Platt. Hey, Jared. Hey, how are you doing? How's it going, man? Good. It's good to finally meet you. I've seen you for a very long time. You know, my favorite thing about interviews is that you always like, we've been sitting here chatting for a couple of minutes and then all of a sudden you're like, Hey Jared, how are you? Oh, I'm fine. How are you? As if we just stumbled across each other. I just walked into this room. We are in a hotel room. Yes. Like I'm looking at two very unmade beds right now and I'm like, they're sort of made. Who's been in those beds? They're kind of made. I sleep in this one and my wife sleeps in that one like the Flintstones. That very nice. (laughs) <laughs> I'm sorry I, d- I wasn't able to procure a better room. Th- we have a nice view. No, though. this is nice. I got a nice view of the parking lot. It's good. <laughs> Love and it. And the mountains are there. And the air. No, not the. Yes, the airport. Yes, that yeah. is the airport. And unfinished buildings. I, I love it. I don't know what that, Vegas what that is. Vegas is not a beautiful place. We are in Vegas for WPPI 2018 for anyone that is that is wondering. And I, Jared and I have never spoken to each other before six minutes ago. Correct. So it is. it does seem a little disingenuous to, to just sit down and say hello. <laughs> How are you? But for the, for the sake of, of of formalities that are are uh, to some degree required, could you tell me who you are? Because I really I really yes, don't. Yes, my name is Jared Platt. <laughs> I'm you, from Arizona. <laughs> from Arizona, as though you didn't know that I was Jared Platt. I know you're Jared. Like I, I know you're from Arizona. No, I'm I'm from Arizona, and I'm a wedding and lifestyle photographer. Uh, I basically photograph people, uh, anything to do with people. I photograph weddings and portraits and and uh, uh editorial portraits and political events and, and you have for a while you're not a newbie. yeah for a long time i've yeah. i i i've never had a real job so like i got out of college and by the time i got out of college i already had a business because i'd been photographing oh, okay. in college okay and so it was just i just started taking pictures and i taught college at you know various points throughout the last 10 years or yeah. whatever 20 years um but yeah, I just, I had a career by the time I was out of college, so I didn't get a job. I just started working for myself. And I, I, I did, I think I had three jobs at one point, three full-time jobs. I was originally, when I first got out of college, I had, I worked at a photo studio and I was building my own business. And so it was a commercial photo studio. It was building my business on the weekends. And then it was also um, teaching college. All at the same time. All full time. Yeah. So it was like I worked 40 hours a week here, 40 hours a week there, and 40 hours a week there, which really turned out to be like, I literally, a uh, lot. so you, so we're in this hotel room and you've got one bed for your wife and one bed for right, you. Right. Well, I had, I had a room in my house where I had my computer and then I had a bed in that room. Yeah. And that was back before Lightroom existed. Yeah. And yeah. so I was using, and I was shooting with a Nikon. And the Nikon D1X, I think is what it was called. I remember called. that camera. Yeah. It was a horrible camera. <laughs> and it had a really bad chip on it. They were That was back when they thought the CCD was going to win out. Oh, yeah. And and it was like really magenta. And the greens were right. like almost, they almost looked like they were um, that glowy underwater moss, you know? So your grass was horrible. Radioactive. That was greens, horrible. Yeah. So, but I had to use night. I, I refused. I've never shot a JPEG in my life. And so I refused to shoot raw. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, sorry, I refused to shoot JPEG. JPEG right? I always shot raw, which mm-hmm. meant that nothing. Photoshop didn't know what a raw was. Mm-hmm. Bridge didn't know what a raw was. Mm-hmm. 
Um, the only way I could look at it was with the Nikon editor. It was Nikon Their professional. Their own proprietary software. Yes. But was that... Kodak's was really good, I remember. Was theirs really good? No, theirs was horrible. Theirs was bad. Okay. It was very bad. Okay. And and literally, you, you would look at each image one at a time, and what you could do is you could then say, process this set of images the way I did this one. Yeah. Right? But you would have to first choose the image, right. and then you would say, process this one and the rest of this folder. So what I had to do is every night I would ha when I got back from a wedding I would have to look at my images and I would s have to put them in folders and the folders were named thus. Are you ready? Plus one stop exposure minus green. Point five. Then the other folder would be minus one stop exposure plus green. <laughs> Point all, five. All the variables. All the variables. There would be like 300 <laughs> folders. And then I would tell it to process them. And then I would have to, but it would only process one batch at a time. So I would, pro and it took like 12 minutes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. To process that little folder yes. of 12 images. It's right. about a minute per. Per image, yeah. And so I would start the process and I would set an alarm based on how long I thought it would take. And I would go to sleep on that little bed. And then wake up and like wake 11 up. minutes later, 11 all through minutes. the night. Correct. And do the next one. And, and do then the do next the next one, one and do the next one. By the end of the night, I had gotten maybe eight hours of sleep, but at 12 minutes of time. It, it's it's amazing. It's amazing <laughs> what we used to do. Like everything you're saying, I, I get it. But did you not, because we were, I think when we initially started shooting Canon, no, 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 Kodak and then Canon uh, and Fuji there at the beginning. We never, we never did Nikon. Right. And I think it was because I, I was hearing the things that you're talking about. Yeah, it was horrible. <laughs> you should have you switched. I did. Okay. So At, at some point. At, at one point, maybe six months after I started doing this. Yeah. But the beauty is, is that trained my mind. I can go to sleep in an instant anywhere. It's almost like oh. I'm a narcoleptic. You have that now. You have that ability. Yeah. Okay. But, okay, so here here's my <laughs> thoughts on superpowers. <laughs> So this is great. <laughs> a superpower can either be a superpower or it can be a problem. So think about this. Superman has the superpower to fly. He right? does, yes. But it wouldn't be considered a superpower if he couldn't turn it off. Then he would just be floating around. <laughs> okay. Right? It would right. be anti-gravity and he'd be like, dang it, I wish I, I could walk. I can't get on the ground. Right. That's right. not a power. Okay. Right? That's yeah. a like problem. An, like an ailment. Right. That's an ailment. So someone with narcolepsy... Mm -hmm. That's a problem, mm -hmm. right? That's an ailment. But if you can just sleep instantaneously if you want to, that's a superpower. Oh, I see now. So I have the superpower of narcolepsy. And you so that's a that's a thing for you. You can Yeah, I can, can go to sleep anytime anywhere. You just if you said, "Jared, go to sleep." Like you can't command me to, right. but if you told me, "Hey, you want to take a nap?" I'd be out in a minute. Is that right? Yeah. That's super fascinating, and I'm a bit envious because I have trouble sleeping. My wife has trouble sleeping. My so wife she does hates not. It, hates it when yep. I just fall as asleep. do I. Yeah. She and I say, "How do you do it?" She said, "She said one time, I just I just flip the switch." Yeah. I'm like, I don't, I don't have a switch. You know what that what switch is, is called? No. It's another superpower. <laughs> well, good for you guys. The the switch. <laughs> I. I <laughs> The switch I, is called apathy. Uh, 
Oh yeah, the news just say I am apathetic at this point of anything in my life. She does do. She does. She can do that. Though. See, there she you go. She cannot care. That's right. Anybody who can go to sleep on command has apathy at their command. Like I can care about things intensely. Right. Like for instance, when I'm talking about something like photos or whatever, I yeah. care intensely. Right. But if I decide that it's time to not care, just like that, I will turn that off. This has turned into an absolutely fascinating conversation. Yeah, so golf, right? Everybody else around me is like throwing their clubs, breaking their clubs, swearing. And I hit a bad shot and I'm just like, all right, it's time to be apathetic. I don't care. Because otherwise you would be Otherwise I'd be throwing my clubs. Yeah. It's time to be apathetic. Yeah, you just have to have the apathy superpower. (sighs) Okay. That's my chief superpower. Well, I'm curious. But it wouldn't be a superpower if I couldn't turn it off. If I if I was just always right. apathetic, That'd be horrible. then I'd be a generation Xer. Right. <laughs> no, no. Or no, below, a, a millennial. Below, below. A millennial. I'm X. What, what do they call You're that? You're probably X. I don't know what I am. Well, I don't know. How I'm generation grew up on a ranch. Grew up. I I read you grew. That, that's a pivot. I I read you grew <laughs> up in a, a in a in a in a town with more cows than people. Yes. In Arizona. In Arizona. I didn't know. I, that sounds like Wisconsin. No, Arizona is a widely um, varied state. We have almost every ecosystem on the planet, except for ocean. Right, right. We have we have tundra. We have where's tundra up north? What? It's not cold like it is up up like in Alaska, but it's the same really? type of plants. The same. We really? have high desert. We have uh, we have. Um, mountains that are above the tree line, so there's no trees. Is there, we have is there rainforest? Uh, we have wetlands. Really? Yeah, not rainforest, but wetlands. Huh. Yeah. So I grew up in northern Arizona, where it's like uh, it's still fairly fairly sparse, right. but there's grass and the cows. The cows just so you know how everybody has those little step counters on their yeah. wrist, right? Yeah, and they they walk from mcdonald's to mcdonald's and they think they earned their mcdonald's right you you might you that, may or may not be talking about me <laughs> i don't have the step counter though <laughs> i just do it in my mind <laughs> 25 steps <laughs> that's done that's that's a uh, that's a big mac right big there mac. Um, so the cows in northern arizona have to walk from one bite to the next because the because the grass because the patchy. grass is like in little patches, so they would eat and then they walk and then they eat. What's so up there, Sedona? Where, do you, where are you at up there? Sedona is kind of mid mid Arizona. Okay. Northern Arizona is like up by Four Corners, so we're almost to Colorado. Oh, oh yeah, right. Four Corners. See, I know so, that from Breaking Bad. There you go. Four Corners. <laughs> That's how I know about Four Corners. That's right. The meth <laughs> capital. We're, we're, <laughs> we grow cows and meth. <laughs> Very lucrative. Yeah. I was the cows I, transport the meth. <laughs> it works better than a. It works better than an RV. That's an expensive cow. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness! Have we talked about photography yet? Well, I think we're supposed to talk about this. Is it, all these? All these are a great precursor for what we're supposed to discuss, or what we planned on discussing, which is why it matters, right? And. First of all, my question when I see why it matters, I'm assuming it's photography, why it matters. Yes. Yes. Photography colon why it matters. Right. That's really the topic. Why does it matter? 
<laughs> I've been asking myself that <laughs> ever since I became a photographer because I have to justify why I'm doing this, right? Yeah. And everybody does. And everybody, you know, the other thing is everybody has to justify why they're charging someone to do that for them. And my dad is the chief example of someone who doesn't understand. So I'll go, uh, my, my dad will call me and be like, hey, you want to go golfing? Because that's all he likes to do is mm -hmm. golf. Mm -hmm. and, and I'll say, no, I'm, I'm going to be doing a job. Where are you doing the job? Oh, I'm flying to Italy. What, why are you flying to Italy? Well, I'm <laughs> photographing a wedding. Why are you flying? Don't they have photographers over there? Why nope, would just, just me. Why would someone pay you <laughs> to go to Italy to take pictures? And that's the chief question. Why in the world... Am I able to charge someone to you, fly me to Italy and shoot their wedding? But you know, isn't like, one of the answers because I'm really good, Dad? No, he doesn't see that. <laughs> like he would, He's a lawyer. He's like, what? Well, it took the longest time for him to recognize that. He I don't even think he knows what I do personally. <laughs> he's not aware. He's not aware. He's like, I don't understand what my son does. He goes to Italy sometimes. I think he thinks I might be a spy or a drug dealer or something. <laughs> Because, like, why would anyone pay you to take pictures of the wedding? And and then sometimes he'll ask how much, you know, like, how much are you making or mm -hmm. whatever. And I'll tell him, he's like, why in the world would anyone pay you that much money to take a picture? So, so the question is, how is it that we live on this art of photography? And why, why does it matter that someone get a good picture versus... Cause, Here's the thing is anybody can get someone to take a picture that we all have iPhones. Right. Like, why is it? This is the real question. Why is it that every bride in the world doesn't recognize that every friend has a camera and they could just have a hundred people taking pictures of them? And one of those is going to turn out OK and be in focus and they could print it up and that would be the end of it. And it would cost them zero dollars. Or why, despite the fact that they do or could recognize that, they still choose. Right, that's the real to question. To hire you, why would they hire me when they could, they can document, quote unquote, the event. They can get memories of the event, but yet they still choose to to pay a significant sum of money, mm -hmm. either ten or twenty percent, sometimes thirty percent of the of entire the budget, cost yeah. of the budget goes to photography, and you wonder why did they do that. Mm -hmm. Well, you, you wonder. I've never thought about it until right now. Okay, so... Quite honestly. Not in, not in these terms. Right. I mean, because really, a picture is a picture is a picture. And everybody... Like, I can tell what you look like by an iPhone picture of you or by right. a beautiful $5,000 camera taking a picture of you. But you're not discounting the fact that even though a picture is a picture is a picture, that some pictures are much better than others. It depends on what the purpose of the picture is. So a picture that describes you yeah. enough that the cop could get you <laughs> and arrest you. Okay. That is a quality picture, right? Sure. To the cop. To the cop. It's right. a quality picture. Right. It has accomplished its job. Right. I had a professor in college who once would tell us, he, he would show us a picture and say, what is this picture? Okay. And he would give us classification. So th everybody close your eyes and think of a picture. Okay. And I'm going to give you different classifications for that picture. And you tell me what that picture is. So just choose a picture. It doesn't matter. It could be from a magazine or you know, anything. Just a, in your mind's eye, think of a picture that okay. you remember. Okay. It could be art. 
It could be documentary. It could be a snapshot. Or it could be uh, like a portrait, okay. let's say. And he would show us a picture and say, what is this? And then he would ask us to classify that picture. And, you know, some people were like, well, I th- it's just a snapshot. It's just a snapshot. And then other people were like, well, I think it's a documentary or whatever. And he'd say, it just depends on where it is. If it's on a wall, it's art. Mm. If it's on a bedside table, it's a portrait. Mm-hmm. If it's in a magazine, it's a documentary. Mm-hmm. And if it's in your grandma's wallet, it's a snapshot. Mm-hmm. Okay. And and it would be appropriately placed in all of those. And it could look like it was art if it was on a wall in a mat. You know, if, if White House sent me a picture, the same picture as a canvas... And I hung it on a wall, you'd say, oh, that's art. Yeah. But if I if White House sends me a four by six and I just shove it in my pocket and I show it to people and it's all crinkled up. Of the same same picture. Image. It's a snapshot. So it's contextual. So then back to our discussion, then the the quality of a photo is contextual. If your purpose is to make sure you make the correct arrest of the correct person then contextually that photograph from an iPhone that tells you what someone looks like is a good photograph. But if our plan is to put it on a canvas on a wall, the quality of that photo needs to be better so that someone doesn't look and think, wow, that's the crappiest piece of art <laughs> I've ever seen. Right. Yes. They'll still classify it as art. Yeah. But they'll look at it and think, you really spent too much money printing a piece of art that's that bad. Right. And so then the beauty of the art and how, you know, how rich the colors are or or whether it's in focus or whether it's got, you know, a good composition mm-hmm. or whatever, that kind of stuff matters when the context changes for the photograph. So the context demands does that is it fair to say then that context demands quality depending on context is what determines how much effort needs to be put into the quality okay. of the photograph. Okay. And so that's why a wedding, someone is much more willing to pay for a professional to be there to make beautiful art because they know that contextually they're going to put this in a book. They're going to put this on a wall. Because right. they already know what the use of the photograph is. Right. And because it's coming from from a contextual standpoint, a wedding. Yes. Right. And because it's a wedding that can only happen once. And right. what if people don't get what needs to we're be done? We're hanging out in my backyard with the same people. Same people. And we're just barbecuing. All iPhones is perfect. We don't care. That's right. Because I'm not thinking to myself, oh, this event needs to be documented in the same way a wedding does. Well, interestingly enough, today, every event in everybody's life is documented well. as intensely as a wedding. <laughs> Like just, you I'm go, sorry that I'm laughing, but <laughs> you go to eat, go out to eat with your friends and yeah. watch how many people pull out their yeah. stupid phone and take a picture yeah. of what they're eating or a picture of the yeah. sign of the place that they, I mean, they document things beyond to the point that it's just, it's literally, they're just vomiting out photographs of whatever. I think, I think that's true. And I think the issue that I, ha- I take issue with that because I don't really do that. I'm more of a voyeur. I'm not an exhibitionist. I don't post a lot of stuff. Yeah. But I creep on people all the time. Right. So you're interested in what so-and-so's eating, not what you're (laughs) eating. 
You don't want other people to know well, your cheesecake fetish. That's, but <laughs> that's an interesting way to put it. I really don't care what people are eating. I, I, I don't. Uh, but I do want to know what they're doing and where they're going. I, that's not entirely true. I think I just so that lied. photograph we were I talking about that the police need for you, from you. <laughs> there might be some. There might be validity. A, you, to might, that. you can take a photo of me because it might come in handy later on. Hold on, let me take a picture. <laughs> I, I, this is it's fascinating. You're, you're like a lot of things in my on my brain are firing right now because I, I haven't thought about it like this before. I, on one hand, there's a piece of me that's triggered. And thinking, I feel like he's he's putting down what we do, but you're not. I know you're not. No, it's almost the opposite of that. Yeah, it elevates us. But, but here's the thing: the the important thing to understand is how important photography in itself is. That's that's really the crux. It's incredibly important. Okay. In fact, so uh, when I was in college, I was um, I studied under a guy named Bill Jay, who's now dead, but he was pretty pretty. Uh, like if you the world over, if you said who are the photo historians that matter in nineteenth and twentieth century photography. He's one of the top five in the okay. world. And right. he was at Arizona State University. Mm -hmm. um, he had friendships with some of the most important, greatest photographers. Like, I would just see photographers, amazing photographers. Yosef Katelka would just come around. You know, like... Like they it was buddies. Yeah. Like it, my, so one of my favorite guys was this guy named David Hearn. He's a magnet photographer. He's a Welsh uh, photographer. And... And at one point he said, you know, I don't understand why photographers want to be called artists. Like, why do we try so hard? Do you know that until 19, I think it was 1960-ish, 1950, around that time frame, photography was a science. And if you went to school and studied photography, you were in the science college. You were not in the art college. Is that right? It wasn't until the mid-1900s that we actually turned that and it became an art. So it's very recent that people as photographers have thought of themselves as artists. Even the early photographers, like 1800s, they were scientists. And they were documenting, you know, pyramids so people could see the pyramids. They weren't photographing them as art. They were photographing them as, hey, here's something that you'll never see that you need to because scientifically and historically this is important but i'm just a scientist i'm just wandering around with glass plates and coating them with a bunch of right. goo and and right. and exposing them and then taking back and printing them for you and so these right. are scientists so so it's only recently that we became artists and his point was david hearn's point was why on earth are photographers so hell-bent on the idea that I want to be called an artist because we're so much more important than artists. Artist is a step down from photography. Artist is like low grade. Really? Photography is so much more important than art because, think about this, how many girls are going to become bulimic after seeing a painting of a skinny girl? I, I don't know. None. But when they look at photographs that have been photoshopped or even photographs oh, of truly skinny girls, okay. they want to be that. Why? Because mm. the photograph is real I get to them. They see it and they want to be that. Yeah. Think about this. How many wars have been changed as a course because of 
a painting mm -hmm. or a sculpture. Mm -hmm. None. Mm -hmm. But a photograph of a little girl running naked with napalm yeah. on her yeah. from a battle or from a burning city. Yeah. That changes people's opinion about war. Because the first thing you think is that happened. That happened. Right. But a painting, you're like, oh, someone's just kind of making that, that up. Or, or painted that, right. And I can think of plenty of paintings um, of like, you know, wars and things in Spain. Like, for instance, Goya paints a, a, a painting of some soldiers shooting a bunch of uh, people, mm -hmm. unarmed innocent civilians. Well, maybe they weren't innocent civilians. Maybe right. they were you know, uh, dissidents or whatever. But anyway, that painting by Goya of a, a massacre that occurred in Spain before photography existed, right. that probably, you know, made people think a little bit. Right. But how do those people know that event really occurred? Right. Like but that. If, but if you have a photograph of it. Because no matter what, it was an artist's interpretation. Correct. Whereas a photograph takes that out of the equation. That's right. At least... At least people think right. it takes it out of the equation. Right. Most people looking at a photograph do not question the photograph, mm -hmm. which is what makes photography more powerful mm -hmm. and more important than art. Mm -hmm. As an artist, I'm just making something that makes people feel. But as a photographer, I can have multiple levels. I can have a level of feeling. I can have a level of beauty. And I can have that all-important level of reality. Thinking. That's what thinking and people yeah. people react to photography in a completely different way than they will react to a painting or a sculpture or anything like that. So what part of this gets lost on like is is the fact that that everyone has an iPhone in their pocket now um has it hurt things overall considering what you're saying or has it helped things overall considering what you're saying? Because taking photographs is just like a, a very normal thing for everybody now. And not just taking them, but being able to post them so that everyone else can see them. What so it's is that done a good is, thing? It, it's a good thing in that people understand. I, I think it's a good thing for a kid to understand that they can manipulate a photograph because then they know that all photographs can be manipulated. Mm -hmm. I think that's good for truth. Mm -hmm. That's important. But when it comes to what has photography, the ubiquitous uh, nature of iPhones and cameras and small cameras, what has that done for photography? I think it's just made a lot of noise. But if you think about it, our entire lives are based in imagery. Like we look around. In fact, because I, you know, teach and I have, you know, presets and workshops and stuff that I sell online and things like that, I have come to realize that no one anymore reads. It's all visuals. It's all memes. And you got to, you got to, in order for me to get people to understand, to click a button, I can't have any kind of text to tell them to click a button. Right. I have to have like a photograph right. that reminds them to click the button because right. people just don't read. Mm -hmm. Right. And I think it's because imagery is such a great way of communicating that we now get our concepts from driving by the billboard goes by and we get a feeling for what that company Whatever wants the me image to was, do. Right. Right. Mm -hmm. And we've just gotten so used to that way of 
ingesting information imagery wise instead of textually instead of reading a newspaper we flip through and we look for the most interesting picture on our newsfeed and then we click on that one and that's what we learned that's what we learned from so but i think what's happened as a result of all of this imagery is that it's just noise now it makes it harder for a great photograph to rise to the top mm. because there's just there's so much noise and now people just can't see. And then all of a sudden, whoa, that's a great photograph. But how, before, how often does that happen with you? Because I also feel like because of the noise, uh-huh. there are also, I feel as though I'm also exposed to a lot more great photographs. than I, I'm exposed to a lot more junk yeah, too, but I'm also exposed to a lot more great ones. And for me, maybe this is a confession. I'm not impressed as much as I used to be. Maybe am I jaded? No, it's just that you've been like, we all have more opportunities to see a lot of great imagery. And so great imagery that was great 10 years ago is now mediocre because, uh, okay. I was walking through New York city. It's like a bell curve. Yes. I was walking through New York city um, after a workshop that I taught there and I was wandering around and I started looking and I thought, my gosh, everybody in the city is beautiful. What? Think about it. (laughs) I am. (laughs) You walk in the right area of New York city and everybody's wearing amazing, you know, and and maybe I was just in the right district and it was like the fashion district or whatever. You're in a really good mood, (laughs) but I'm, but I'm looking around and I'm like, there are so many good looking people around me wearing, you know, dressed to the nines, beautiful outfits. Mm -hmm. And they, and they were good looking people. And I just thought in a world of so many good looking people, Mm -hmm. good looking is not enough. Yeah. What do you do? Like, I would hate to live in New York City <laughs> with that many good-looking people yeah. in there. That would be rough. Yeah. You would really have to rise above all those people right. somehow. To stand you out. You know? Like, you'd have to wear a top hat or something just to stand out. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And I think that's what happens to photography. You get, yeah, you can have a lot of great-looking photography, great, beautiful photography, but because so much more is available to you, because you can look at more of it and you can see more of it, the people who really rise to the top have to be incredible. And what do you, and what is that? How does that manifest? What do you have to do? <laughs> well, that's contextual. Okay. Right. Yeah. Because, because like I have gotten really into um, aerial photography with okay. drones and stuff. Okay. Like I haven't taken a lot of them, but mm-hmm. I really am fascinated by the shapes and stuff mm-hmm. that are made. And so I've been on Instagram. I've been following people who do that. And man, I'm fascinated by these shapes. It's almost like um, back in the early 1900s, a guy named Alfred Stieglitz was, he, he did what he called um, equivalent mm-hmm. photography. And he photographed clouds. That's mm-hmm. all he photographed is just clouds. I mean, he photographed other things, but he did this series called The Equivalents, and it was all clouds. And his point was, is it was the best way to study shapes without having some kind of... Um, intellectual discussion because if you take a picture of walls or take a picture of cities or whatever there's some intellectual thing being communicated like if i take a picture of the new york city skyline Mm -hmm. um then there's a different 
communication because someone's like, oh, that's missing the Twin Towers. And then all right. of a sudden there's intellectual information right. and then we remember 9-11 and blah, mm -hmm. blah, 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 blah. Right. And so clouds have no meaning. Right. And so he could take these amazing shapes and play with shapes right. with no intellectual discussions. They're dynamic. They're always changing their temporary right et cetera, et cetera. and i found myself interested in these aerial photographies because they're they're more shape oriented and they're just beautiful but they have no intellectual meaning to them right 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 and so it's all based on that contextual like who are you and what are you looking for so you might not be interested in that maybe you're interested in you know architectural photography sure. or something so you're going to respond to one thing and i'm going to respond to another and that's the, the do democratization of, of photography these days, because everybody has a platform, is wonderful. The fact that anybody can get their work out there and they don't have to go through some kind of a publisher. Right. Right. I can, I can go and make a book in what? I mean, you guys print books faster than mm -hmm. I've ever seen anybody print a book. <laughs> yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. Like anytime I'm in a rush... And I'm like, oh, crap, I forgot to do this and I need this now. <laughs> yeah. White House is like the first place to go because yeah. I can get it. I'm in Phoenix. Yeah. Right. I can get a book from you faster than I could drive down and find one in like downtown Phoenix. Right. Right. I'll order something and it's there like a day and a half later. I'm like, yeah. what in the world? It's pretty sick. It's voodoo. <laughs> actually. We have a time machine. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, but the fact that someone can can get out to the world like that or yeah. print a book so that's quickly. That's the advantage. That's amazing. The disadvantage is that everybody can. That's right. Yes? Yes, that's the disadvantage. Or that's the opportunity because now we all have to rise above that. Yeah, it's, and is that like looking at the glass half full? So yes. I have an opportunity right. to get even better, right? Because everybody else is in the game. Everybody's in the game, so I got to do something interesting. In order to stand out, I got to I got to bring my A game because everybody else is here. That's right. And and in 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 professional wedding photography today, there are so many new people because they can because right. the 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 cameras are easier to use and they they're better at auto focusing and right. better at auto exposure. Right. When I was shooting film, there was hardly anyone in the business. Right. Oh, I know. Because no one knew how to do it. Yeah. But now everybody knows how to do it because the computer's doing it for them. A lot of it, yeah. So, so you got to well, stand not, out there, and you too. don't have to worry about all of those issues. That's that, right. That that were just common. Like this is just how it worked right. back then at yeah. the uh, at the advent of digital. Essentially, That's right. when when nobody else could help you, like you and I wouldn't even have been able to really sit down and help each other, even though we needed it, because. We didn't know much about what was going on, and neither did the people that were supposed to maybe at the time. It was so hard for me to find somebody that really had answers. <laughs> you right. know what I mean? And part of it was because they didn't exist. Like, there might have been some better solutions for what you were trying to accomplish, but they were few and far between and hard to find. Right. Now you've got, you've got I think, I can think of, so Adobe Lightroom, mm -hmm is kind of the gold standard. That's yeah. what everybody uses. Sure. But I can think of 15 other solutions yep. as well Sure, that other people can use. Right. And so there's a lot of ways to do stuff. It's easier to do stuff. There's computers that Fast. are doing it for you. Yep. I mean, 
it was getting to the point now where Adobe, with their Sensei in the cloud, this com- this com- this uh, computer learning, it's amazing. Like they're getting to the point where they can look at a photograph and auto expose it because they know what it's of what it should be right they're like because oh of, that's a wedding right. dress so it should stay white <laughs> and so incredible. then they they auto adjust it based on the fact that they know there's a wedding dress in the photograph like that's the kind of crazy that's going on yeah so with that kind of ability it has become a uh it's become imperative for us to rise to that challenge and be better and and Here's while we'll wrap it around to the the uh, the original um, discussion point that mm-hmm. we had. Why does that matter then? Why does my client buy a wedding package for four, five, six, seven, eight thousand mm-hmm. dollars when they could have somebody who's just learning, or they could have a friend take their picture or whatever, right. or they could use iPhones? Why do they do that? And why does why does the photography matter enough that people are willing to pay for it and 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 fly someone to somewhere to get a photograph taken? Why does that matter? And really, the truth comes down to that people want to see themselves in the very best light. Mm-hmm. They don't want to just see them. They don't want to see their mugshot. Right. They want to see a beautiful version of them because too often times you know and it's the facebook thing like everybody gets to see the best version right. of the person on facebook right. but i think people when when they're having their portrait taken or when they're going to be um having their wedding they want to make sure that they know that the person who's going to be taking their picture has in their in their mind the most um their best intention is to take gorgeous pictures of you and right. to take the right moments. Right. And they've been studied on how to turn someone so that their arms look right. Right. And they've been they've been they've studied on how to to find the moment and to and they're and they've got the experience that they need to be able to manage people and and put people in the right frame of mind and and make things fun. You know, like, yeah, you can take a picture, but can you make them laugh? Mm. Can you make them feel confident about mm. what you're doing? And it, it all of a sudden it turns to why does it matter that you have a professional, well-trained photographer at your wedding? The reason it matters is because that person has the ability to deal with situations. It's about the photographer. It's not about his photography right. as much. It's about the person. Right. 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 But then when it comes to the imagery... I can only go back to these are heirlooms and these are moments that will be looked at for hundreds of years. I look at pictures of my wife and my my own um, grandparents and great grandparents. We have a whole wall of historical photographs in our house and they matter a lot. My grandparents came or my wife's grandparents came over and stood in front of the wall for almost 45 minutes when they came to dinner one night and they just told stories. They, they just, they looked at, Oh, that was 
great grandpa so-and-so and and he had this little corner store and blah 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 and you can see right there over there is where that car is like my first you know and they just because told those stories. images that goes back to what you were saying because those images were real things that elicited those thoughts and those memories and those feelings that's right in them yeah photographs are real yeah photographs tell stories they, they shout stories yeah you know, they don't just give people ideas to think about like art does. Mm -hmm. You know, they don't just have people kind of get emotional about something or look at it and go, I don't understand it. You look at a photograph and there's something there. Go to go to the Museum of Modern Art with, you know, your least artistic friend. Yeah. And he will stand in front of a William de Kooning or a Jackson Pollock and say, I don't get it. Right. But put him in front of any photograph, I mean any photograph, you just choose a random photograph in that same museum and it could be as weird as possible and he'll say something interesting about yeah, it have, because yeah. it says something, it shouts at huh. you because it's real. Huh. It's not just a fake, it's not just paint on a wall. It says something and that's why photography is so important. I uh, I just uh, was talking to X-Rite um, about a photograph that I took um, on the Grand Canyon and I do a lot of photographs at the Grand Canyon for weddings and uh, one of the clients that I had there um, became very close friends to the point that now I communicate with uh, the bride regularly mm. and her you know I visit them and see her child and um, but I have this photograph of her in this beautiful dress and she's standing on this cliff and then the groom is kind of below the cliff kind of on a ledge and kind of her his arms up and he's kind of way below her and looking up at her and he's kind of got his head on his and he's just admiring her yeah and being a little silly yeah and uh and i look at that photograph and it speaks volumes about their relationship because mm. she's this she's this beautiful beautiful girl and she's uh you know just kind of vivacious and fun and he He's kind of a nerd, um, really smart. He's an animal doctor. Um, he's actually an eye surgeon for horses. Oh my goodness. Like that's, you okay. know, it's very specialized right. stuff. And, uh, he also does eye surgery on like lions. Okay. Zims and stuff like that. Incredible. Yeah. So anyway, um, they became one of my favorite clients and I would go all over the place and take family pictures for them. And I, you know, would travel. They were very adventurous yeah. and fun. And but a year after they got married, they had a baby, and then a year after that, he died. The 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 husband. Oh goodness! So he had cancer, and there were complications. And so anyway, he's he's now passed on. And I look at that photograph, and I think that photograph is so telling about their relationship and how much he doted on her. Yeah. And the interesting thing is that he was afraid of heights, deathly afraid of heights, and he's on a cliff. <laughs> For her. And he did it yeah. because he wanted to do something that he was afraid of. Yeah. Right? And he said about his wedding, he said, you know, Jared, the whole time we were being married, I'm on a cliff and I didn't care. It was fine. I wasn't scared at all mm. because he was in the middle of that wedding. Mm. Right? Otherwise, at all the other points in his life, he was afraid of heights. But when he was with her getting married, didn't matter. And this photograph, I look at it and I'm like, man, 
you look at that photograph and understand that story, and especially the people who do understand the story about him, and that speaks volumes. And that's why it matters that we, you know, train ourselves to get the right image, to get focused, to be able to pose people. That's why it matters that we know how to expose so that we can get the canyon and them in focus and and lit. And that's yeah, why it matters stuff. that right. we uh, take our craft seriously. But that's why it matters to our client, because those images tell incredible stories that they're going to remember forever. I tell you what, you you took me on like a roller coaster ride of emotions. I started <laughs> off like cracking up and thinking this was going to be goofy and hilarious. And in the last few minutes, I'm trying not to cry. <laughs> I've, I really appreciate it. This was awesome. Thank you. So where where can people find you? It's pretty easy. Yeah. Jared Platt is my name, and pretty much that's everything. Facebook, Jared Platt. Twitter, Jared Platt. Insta? Insta, Jared Platt. The dot com? Yeah, just J-A-R-E-D-P-L-A-T-T. That's all. That's it. Just search that. You'll find me. There's one other person in the world named Jared Platt. He was a wrestler. Yeah. Like a WWF type wrestler or whatever. Not me. And he also died recently, so he's... You'll see like obituaries of Jared Platt. Oh, if, That's if not someone me. Googles you, yeah, right. Yeah, if someone Googles right. Jared Platt, you'll see an obituary for a Jared Platt. I'm still alive. It's not you. Okay. I'm not the wrestler. Thank you for your perspective. This was, I'm going to think a lot about this. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like going to a museum myself now, but I want to be by myself. I don't want anybody else to be there with me. And I just want to look at photographs for a while. I love photographic museums. I can't get enough of them. They're amazing. They're just so much fun to be in. Well, I now now I I I feel compelled to do that myself. Th- thanks for doing this. I know this is a really busy time. Oh, uh, my at pleasure. a convention like this, and your time is valuable, and I appreciate that you gave me some. Yeah, and thanks for thanks for putting this together. And and above all, I have to thank the White House is my favorite. Oh, you good. guys, I mean, you got to have <laughs> people to that support. Yeah. And that's the thing is that you choose wisely the people that you use to support yeah. your photography. Yes. Sir. And it matters that my images look the way I intend them to look. Yeah. So it's great that White House produces exactly what I see on my screen. Thanks for saying so. Yeah. We try very, very hard. That's great. Have a good one, brother. Until next time. Uh, you too.